to say yes sir and then the bible goes on to say eh eh if you are obedient you are calling the bible ala ba shake bredo sokolo hey hallelujah ah no let's do this thing give me first peter chapter 3 i feel the anointing to teach this thing if the light goes on it's not enough it's not enough for the light to go on the bible says the light shines No, my life will not just go on. It's not enough that you cleared. You have to be excellent. Your life, no, 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 it's, it's not enough that you feel before. And he has put all things under his side, under his side. So make sure you have friends that uh, can accommodate you in their house. Amen. I encourage you. I'm, te- I'm going to tell you as you begin to pray, one of the things that, that is going to be very evident is that your sight will be strong. Because what, you know, there are a number of things that begin to happen when people pray. Their sight improves. Prayer is like that diet that you have to expose yourself to so that your, um, your sight can improve in the spirit. In the flesh, there are some things you eat to improve your sight. But in the spirit, you eat prayer to look correctly. Prayer and the word of God. Uh, many times we read the Bible, we discover that as people prayed, they began to see many times we read in the bible so one of the things that begins to happen when we begin to pray is we begin to see now when i say see i explain what sight means whether you're going to see a vision you're going to see by the spirit your prophetic gift is going to increase you're going to have dreams i don't know but prayer affects all those dimensions of sight except it kills the sight of the flesh so it's advantageous for you that we pray. The other thing that prayer is, is likely to do when people begin to pray is that um, it, it brings about peace because the Bible teaches that do not worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and supplication, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, make your requests known unto God, verse 7, and the peace of God. So the peace of God is not independent of a person's prayer life. So a consistent prayer life produces a peaceful life. A lot of times the reason why people are restless in their spirit is because there's no prayer accompanying their so when you begin to pray, you begin to walk. Two things that happen when you begin to, to pray. Number one, there's a peace which comes. Now this peace has a definition. The Bible says it is beyond understanding. It is beyond understanding. 
that means it must not have an explanation. So even when things are going south, you're supposed to be at peace because you are praying. So you say, everything is bad, but somehow I am at peace. It's a gift. You can't understand it. It's a peace that comes as a result of prayer. You can't explain it because it's beyond knowledge. In other words, the alphabet cannot explain it. It does not have words that can explain why you are at peace. I don't know what you may be going through. The Bible says in John 16, 33, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart because I have overcome the world. So you will have trouble in this world, but that trouble will always be outside if you live in prayer. It will not be inside of you. It will always be outside. And you will always wonder why you are at peace. And the reason why you will wonder is because there are no words in the English lexicon or in the human lexicon that can explain that peace because that peace is beyond all kind of human understanding. There is no learning that can explain that peace. And that is what we want you to walk in. That is what you're supposed to walk in. The second thing that prayer does is that it brings trouble. The second thing that prayer does is that it brings trouble. When Jesus prayed, he got crucified. <laughs> and sometimes it is because the thing that you are praying for attracts its own persecution. Because many times, the enemy just, can you take that boy file, beat him, just making noise. So, because the thing that, uh, that you are praying for, the thing that you are praying for has its own persecution. Sometimes, the reason why you see a lot of flies is because you turned on the light. A lot of insects is because you turned on the light. Have you seen that before? You turn on the light, then there are a lot of insects. You can't say, why are these insects coming? No, you turned on the light. But as that light begins to grow, it begins to produce an energy which repels the light. And so, sometimes there's trouble that comes as a result of prayer. And the way to deal with that trouble is to pray the more. Because prayer sometimes begins to rouse demonic attention. Because you are binding things that we are walking freely. So when you begin to bind those things, then you realize they are going to fight you back. Not every fight is a fight. Some fights are wrestling fights. The Bible says we wrestle not. We wrestle not. In a wrestling match, you rarely just beat your opponent. When you beat your opponent, they get back and beat you back. But when your opponent beats, hits you with a punch, it doesn't mean you are weak. It just means go back with a bigger punch. Are you following me? It simply means go back with a, with a bigger punch. Praise the Lord. Now, we have been looking at, I will not get into prayer, but I want to share just something else with you uh, in connection with wealth. 
little bit in connection with wealth. And one of the things that we said in the wisdom of the serpent is that uh, a serpent does not announce its presence. And I want to take that angle and show you something. Let me try to lay down doctrine, and then I'll show you one or two things. Ephesians 6, verse 1 to 3, the Bible reads, Therefore, leaving the discussion on the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith towards God of the doctrine of baptisms, laying on of hands of the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. So the Bible talks about the doctrine of baptisms. Everybody say the doctrine of baptisms. So there's a doctrine of baptisms. And it doesn't say the doctrine of baptism. It says the doctrine of baptisms. That means there are many baptisms that a person who is a believer will have to undergo. There's a baptism into water, which some of you experienced, which is symbolic of our oneness with the Lord Jesus in his death, burial, and resurrection. Correct? So when you are dipped into the water, it means you are dying with Christ. When you are coming out of the water, it means you are being raised together with him to be seated in the heavenly places at the right hand of the Father. Correct? And then there's also uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which means the Holy Spirit coming upon you. The Bible says in the book of Acts chapter 10, verse 38, how God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and with power. So there's been anointed with the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit now comes upon you. The Holy Spirit now comes upon you. That's baptism into the Holy Spirit. There's the infilling of the Holy Spirit, where the Holy Spirit is inside of you, then there's baptism into the Holy Spirit, where it's now like you're jumping into the pool. The infilling of the Spirit is like drinking water. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is like jumping into the pool. You are immersed into the pool. So that's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There's also baptism into fire, okay? Baptism into fire. Jesus, John says, I baptize you with water, but the one who's going to come after me is greater than me because he'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with, and with, you don't sound like you are the fires. With the Holy Spirit and with fire. So there's a baptism into fire. And that baptism into fire is what puts you on fire. And when we say you have the baptism of fire, it's different even from having the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because the baptism of the Holy Spirit enables you to do ministry. But remember that the Holy Spirit is a person. So he's a little careful with the way he deals with you. He doesn't, he doesn't force things. But the way a baptism into fire is, it's like it's a commodity. That fire is a commodity. That fire is like a substance you're baptized in, into. So when you are on fire, you are always itching to do something. The Bible says he was baptized in the Holy Spirit and in power that he went about. Now, it is not necessarily the Holy Spirit that makes you go about. The Holy Spirit will guide you, but you can even deny it. But the fire is insistent. It is the fire which, which, which defines the going about. When you're on fire, you just can't sit. You want to write a book. You want to put a fire status. You want to preach to someone. Even when you are sick, you want to pray for someone to be healed. That's what fire does. It's that fire. And then 
You see, that fire is, is cruel. The Bible says, I set you as a seed upon my heart, as a seal upon my arm. It says, for there is love that is as strong as death and a jealousy that is as demanding as the grave. It says, and many waters cannot quench it. So it's like a fire because it can't be quenched. So there is a love which is like a fire. And that is why Jesus Christ is seen in the book of 1 John, uh, the book of Revelation, as someone who had fire in his eyes. That fire stops at nothing to save you, even at its own cost. So sometimes you see people who, even at their own cost, they want to do something for God. That fire cannot just let them sleep. That fire cannot just let them be alone. And many times you see Paul, even in the face of death, he will still want to go and preach because that fire, even in the presence of an exam, you attend an overnight prayer meeting. Why? Because that fire, and, and that fire is what you need to be a martyr. To know that I'm going to die and God will not save me for his gospel. It takes fire because if you sit down, you feel bad because you did not die. You feel bad because you did not lose your salary in pushing the work of God. That's what that fire does. It makes men unreasonable. You cannot reason with a man who's on fire. The way that fire is, like I said, you can be broke, but you bless someone. You can be sick, but you heal someone. And what happens with that fire? Even in your death, someone will drop in your graveyard and they will rise up from the dead. But you are dead. That fire is still working. So that fire does not care. That's why some people say, but you see, the things I'm doing for the Lord, it's working for other people, but how come for me? So Paul says, we are able to make many rich and yet remain poor. Fire. Somebody say fire. fire. So you need to be baptized in fire. If we, are going to, if we are going to be unreasonable about the work of God and not be disturbed about how and what people say, even people in church sometimes can offend you. If you are not on fire, you easily give up. But that fire pushes you. Jeremiah says, even when I said I'm not going to preach this word, I said, oh, Lord, you, I says, Lord, you, 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 what did he say? He says, you cheated on me and I was cheated. You sent me to preach your word and I was trapped because they caught, they caught me and they threw me in a system. But then he says, and even if I said I will stop preaching, I can't because that fire, that word is like a fire shut up in my bones. That's what Jeremiah says. He says that, that fire, your word is like a fire shut up in my bones. And if I do not let it out, it will begin consuming me. So I have to let it out. So a lot of times people who are called into ministry have to experience a baptism into fire. We have seen many people who are baptized in the Holy Spirit, but they fall short because the, the, the will of the Spirit can be overridden. You see, the, the, the role of the Holy Spirit is secondary. It is not primary. The one who wields the primary role is the owner of the life, which is you and I. This is why the Bible says, I will send you another comforter, even the spirit of truth. Another comforter is described as the comforter is called the advocate. The lawyer does not take his own case to court. He stands in on your behalf. That's why he's called the legal representative. A standby is not the one who's going through the process. He's there to hold you. The Bible also calls him a friend. The Bible also calls him a strengthener. He's not the one 
on the shore. He's strengthening you. So the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, plays a secondary role in our lives. And we need to realize that the Holy Spirit, the Bible also calls him our helper. So he won't come in until you permit him. This is why Jesus had to make a prayer and say, not my will, but your will. Why? Because had he not prayed that prayer, he would have not died. Because he had a right to not choose God's will and to choose his over God's will. So the spirit of God, you need to understand, no matter how cute the doves you post about him, he, would, he doesn't insist anything. That's why we call it yielding to the leading of the spirit. You permit him to lead. You permit him to lead. He doesn't force you. You permit him to lead. Are you following me? So there's a baptism into fire. And that baptism insists. Sometimes we just need to be on fire. I know some of you are looking forward to being the fire. That's good. But now you have to be at least on fire to start with. Are you on fire in the first place? There has to be something driving you. This fire is what will keep you for the next 10 years you don't go into the world. Because it won't permit you. If you even try to think about it, you say, Poo! is that fire? It will choke you. The other thing that fire does is it burns, it burns impurities. God is, and, other, and other metals, they, 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 they are refined by going through a fire. So that fire, it makes you burn for righteousness. It makes you want the right thing to be done. It's people who are on fire who do not stand between two opinions. No, it depends on who the person is. You know the person is not on fire. Because that fire deprives you of your personal opinion. There's a purity it drives. There is a separation it, it, it drives. It's got an agenda of holiness. It brings about the purity of God. It brings about, you see, you become very one-sided. It is that fire which makes you ready for influence. Because it means you are cooked and many people can eat of you. It's a fire that does that. Praise the Lord. So we need the baptism into fire. Someone say, I am baptized by fire. Say, I am baptized into fire. Yes. It is that fire which makes you, you are sleeping, you are just thinking about God. You are just thinking about, how can I make money to push God? So you can, both two people can be thinking about making money. And the Holy Spirit is guiding you about making this money. But one is thinking about how can I push the work of God? And the other one is thinking, how can I eat? Both of you are baptized into the Holy Spirit. But the one who's baptized into fire is, is, is rid of personal gain. It's gone. He can't trace his personal gain. So he can make a 30,000 and say, huh, I invested this money, but it, it went into the work of God. These are people who, if they... You know, as I was sitting there, let me tell you something. When I'm preaching, pay attention. Because there's a spirit that comes from the altar and it comes into the audience. Now, that spirit is a personality. And it demands honor. When I'm preaching, try as much as possible to avoid the phone. You will remain small. You will remain small if you have that habit. You can be in the house of God and remain small. Because the word of God is a 
personality. When we are preaching the word of God, we are preaching a person. Because this word came from God. It came from God. And everything that comes from him is alive. So as it is coming, the Bible says, it is a designer of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So it's not cool to be distracted. Try, give yourself a challenge. When I am in church, my data is off. I look at the people you are even responding to when you're on WhatsApp. Your contact, very cheap. The things you are going to in, in, add to your life, very cheap. And yet I am there preaching. I took time to study, but you're on your phone. You will remain small. You can't. But be disciplined to listen. have to stop being childish. When you go out, you discover the person who wanted to chat with you is still alive. They won't die. You hear, no, they just BID because you stopped responding. They will not die. I don't know if you are listening to me. Praise the Lord. So, that baptism is key. And you have to get it now. You see what that baptism does? It brings you into humility. It brings you, you are, when you are baptized into fire, you are humble. You become, and you are quick to repent. You are quick to repent. That's what that baptism into fire does. Because it deals with your impurities, personal impurities, personal perceptions, which you've not shared. In your mind, you just belittle people sometimes when you see them. But you stop and you say, this person may even be greater than me because I don't know them. So it makes you approach people with a lot of humility. It's fire which does that. Fire which does that. It's fire which makes worldly gains small. You failed one course, you stop coming to church. No, because I was going to church a lot, that's why I failed. So you stop going to church because you failed a course. Like you are the first man to fail a course. Guinness Book of World Records. Just broken the record, you just failed. So you need to focus on rubbish. What shall we say then? Romans 6, verse 1. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into death? So there is a baptism into Christ as well. There is a baptism into Christ. Somebody say baptism into Christ. There is a baptism into Christ. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12, for as the body listen to the word of God because as you do, a door opens for you to live in that no man can shut. 
and it opens you up to endless possibilities by the Spirit who releases that word. Shout hallelujah. Yes. That's what I said in other tongues. Or do you not know that as many of us as we are baptized into Christ, the Bible says we were baptized into, so there's a baptism into Christ. Everybody say baptism into Christ. Say baptism into Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 14. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that body being many are one body. So also is Christ. Christ is a body. When we talk about Jesus, we are talking about person. But when we're talking about Christ, we're talking about the whole body, including Jesus, who becomes the head of the Christ. Are you following? So he says, For by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Are you seeing that? That's baptism into Christ. He says, for by one spirit, we were baptized. For by one spirit, the Holy Spirit baptized us. So Christ is a body whose head is Jesus. And you can't belong to that body unless you, unless and until you are baptized into that body by the Holy Spirit. Shout hallelujah. So the Holy Spirit baptizes you into Christ. Now, this is not a kind of baptism that you become aware of. It is a baptism that happens when you give your life to Christ. You become baptized into Christ. You become part of the body of Christ, which comprises the Old Testament believers who are the Jews, and it also comprises those that have gone before us, the family that is in heaven, and then the family of believers that are on earth. That's why the Bible says in the book of Hebrews chapter number 12, but we have come to Mount Zion. It says, and to an innumerable number of angels. And it says, and to the spirits of just men made perfect. It doesn't say the dead made perfect, just men. There's a place for perfection even when you are alive. And God is calling you to that perfection. But it is the body. And in that body, some men have been perfected. Some men have been perfected in love. Some men have been perfected in wisdom. Some men have been perfected in righteousness. Some men have been perfected in the work and word of God. And you are one of those in the name of Jesus. When we say we have come to the spirits of just men made perfect, you should always think they are talking about me. But that Mount Zion is a body. It's a body. It's a place where there are many members who belong to Christ. Shout hallelujah. So we get baptized into that beautiful body which was created when the Lord Jesus Christ died. And when he died, his body was pierced, his side was pierced, and blood gushed out. And that blood, the Bible says, you've not been bought with cheap and, and perishable things like silver and gold, but as with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. So when he was pierced on his side and, and, and blood and water gushed out, he paid Lobola for his bride. Hallelujah. That was how he paid. And the body of Christ was born on that day. So you belong to that body which the Lord Jesus Christ paid for when his blood came out after he was pierced. Shout hallelujah. Yes. So we have been baptized into 
Now, you know very well that baptism comes from the Hebrew word baptizo, which means to immerse. This is why when you were baptized, we were not sprinkling you. When we were, when we were baptizing you, we were not making you drink a cup or pouring a glass of juice on you, but we were baptizing you. We were immersing you. So baptism, according to the original meaning of the word, is to immerse. Now, when you are immersed, what means is you stop being seen. The idea is to, is to engulf you. I'll give you an example. My kidney is baptized into my body. You can't see it. But I have one. But you can't see it because it's baptized. Think of it as, imagine there is this red paint. There is this red paint. And you put a white ball inside. And there's a transparent glass which is housing that paint into which you throw that red ball which is metallic. You can't know it is there, but it is there. All you see is the red ink. That is the idea of baptism. It means you are immersed and you are lost. That we can't see anything. And all we see is Christ. So I'm going to read to you one or two scriptures which don't make sense. They are a bit mysterious, and I find them a little strange until God began to teach me about Christ. Then I began to understand them. Acts chapter 14. The Bible says, and in Lystra, verse 8, Acts chapter 14, verse 8, the Bible says, and in Lystra, a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting a cripple from his mother's womb who had never walked. This man heard Paul speaking. Paul, observing him intently and seeing that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice. Now, follow me closely. I'm going to be stressing some parts you need to hear. Said with a loud voice, stand up straight on your feet and walk. Are you seeing what Paul said? And he leaped and walked. Now, when people saw what Paul had done, they raised their voices, saying in the Lyconian language, the gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. And Barnabas they called Zeus and Paul Hermes because he was the chief speaker. Then the priests of Zeus, whose temple was in front of their city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates, intending to sacrifice with the multitudes. Because these men behaved like gods. The power that came out of them was nothing short of godly. But the part I want you to focus on which never made sense to me the first time I read is Paul observing intently and seeing that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, stand up straight on your feet. Okay, you don't get it. Let me read another scripture. Let me read another scripture. Acts chapter 9 verse 36. It will make sense. I will get back. Because I'm looking at you, you look a little 
like we're not catching the, the revelation. Acts 9.36, the Bible reads, at Joppa there was a certain disciple named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. But it happened in those days that she became sick and died. When they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. And since Lida was near Joppa and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent two men to him, imploring him not to delay in coming to them. Then Peter arose and went with them. When he had come, they brought him to the upper room. And all the widows stood by him weeping, showing the tunics and garments which Dorcas had made while she was with them. But Peter put them all out and knelt and prayed. Why did Peter put all of them out? They were crying too much. And sometimes you become emotional when you are around people who are emotional. And that emotionalness can take away your faith. This is why faith also operates in a particular environment. Peter learned this from Jesus when she, he was about to raise the little girl. Jesus threw everyone out. Why? Because faith is an environment. And you can have a corporate faith when you are among friends who believe. When you are among believers, there's a corporate faith which is released, which releases corporate power. Faith can, there's sometimes there's a quorum of faith which is required for you to get certain results. There's a reason why the Bible teaches in Matthew chapter 18, where two or three are gathered, there's a corporate faith. So sometimes when you want to work certain miracles, there's some people you need to, because they exude an environment of doubt. They have raised and powers of doubt coming out. And sometimes depending on the spirit or the level of doubt they've been exposed to, they may overwhelm the power you have to produce that miracle. So this is why sometimes it's important to be alone because there's some negative people that may drain your faith. There's a reason why that miracle happened to the man who couldn't speak, who couldn't talk, and he was just lying down. But the Bible says they are his friends. They tore the roof and they lowered down the person. And Jesus did not heal that man because of his faith. The Bible says his friends, he looked at the faith of his friends. So sometimes you can be healed not because of your faith, but because your support system has faith. So it's an, a law of environment. You need to make, there are some people that you can only be doing business with. But if you need to see certain results, pulling them from the supernatural, the reason why you could be failing, some of you check your support system. Support system is only strong on WhatsApp and on text. But in the spirit, it is too weak. You have a boyfriend and a girlfriend. You can't pray together. All you discuss is, we are going to get married. But do you know why you were made to be together with that person? Some of you fall in love so much that you fall out of faith. You can't remember when last you've got an issue. You need money to do a business. And all you are doing is you are finding that person as a place to throw the emotional garbage. Can you imagine what I went through? And if that person is not available, you are heartbroken. You don't listen to me. Every time I want to talk, you are not available. You just... What happened to Jesus? 
Bible says where are two or three. There has to come a point where we say, babe, let's pray about it. Let's agree. Then you hold hands. Why are demons having a good time in your relationship? You are enduring your relationship and the demons are enjoying your relationship. Because the only connection you have is emotional. It's not spiritual. So you can't hold hands and pray. All you want to do is, no, we are running out of time. We need to do this. We need to do that. You're working hard on your careers. But the reason why God brought you together, the Bible says two are better than one. It's not just an issue of sleeping together when you're married. It's an issue. Because the Bible says one can chase a thousand. Two can put 10,000 to flights. So the Bible says, Peter removed them. Now imagine you're married to a woman or a man that you have to remove before you pray. Because they represent doubt in your life. They don't believe in you. They are having issues with their relationship with God because they tried so many things, never worked. So they are weared down. So when you want to fight, they just say, I've seen this before. And they are saying, Amen. For formality's sake, not because, no! So I want you to go, that relationship is toxic. The only connection is emotional. There's no spiritual connection. See, people have been dating for a long time, they posted each other once. You don't pray, it's not because you are the difference. No, you don't pray, so there's no power. Love is spiritual. The Bible says, for God so loved. If God can love, then love is spiritual. And if you do not understand it as such, you're not going to have a relationship. You have a situation, something, something like it. You only understand love from an emotional, from a soulish perspective, it has no spiritual roots. So once the emotions are messed up with, the whole love comes crumbling down. And now because you got that relationship and pastor approved of it, you can't break up, you have to endure each other. So you are loving each other out of discipline. So the Bible says, he removed he removed them. You have to hide your tithe. You have to hide your partnership. Even if it's the last money you have, you can't give by faith because your man will say, be real. And be real means come in the flesh. Don't walk by faith. Be normal. 
We don't have lentils. We don't have food. If you give that money, the church will only use it. The pastor will eat it. Be real. Let's invest it. It's like being married to Safira and you Ananias. It's just, you are a time bomb. You're about to die. Satan is just waiting for the right temptation. But Peter put them all out. Now, here's the part that that amazes me. The Bible says, but Peter put them all out and knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. That doesn't make sense. You see, you, this, do you see what I'm talking about? Some of you are still trying to find it. I'll explain it to you. In the first scripture that we read, Paul looks at this man who had no strength. You know what? Let me read you one last scripture. And then I'll explain. You will see, you will see it. I will not need to explain it when we read this one. The book of Acts chapter number 9, verse 36. We already read that one, eh? Okay. I want a scripture where they were at the gate called beautiful. Can Acts chapter what? Get me there. Hmm? Go and rectify your relationship. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from the mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid, at the day, laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. He paid attention to them because that was the only value he could pay. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately, his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping up, 
stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. Hallelujah. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who was sitting there and he was begging. And they were filled with amazement and wonder at what had happened to him. Now, one thing that we see in this miracle, which we did not see in the other miracles, is this. That they said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. In the other miracles, that was not said. In the other miracles, they never said, in the name of Jesus. I mean, look at that. It will make sense. Let's go back. When you read Acts chapter 9, verse 41, the Bible says, Peter put them all out and knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. Right? And in the previous scripture we read, which is Acts 14, verse 8 to 13, the Bible says, And in Lystra, a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting a cripple from his mother's womb who had never walked. This man heard Paul speaking, Paul observing him intently and seeing that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, stand up straight on your feet. He didn't say, in the name of Jesus. The Bible says, and he leaped and walked. The idea there is what is known as a baptism into Christ. When you are baptized into Christ, the Bible says whatever you do in word or in deed, that means the power is not in saying in the name of Jesus. The power is being baptized into the name of Jesus so that you are not saying in the name of Jesus as if you are out, so you need to get the name and come and apply it. Such that you are already in the name of Jesus. So whatever you are doing, you, you see, we don't say in the name of Jesus like it is a charm. Like when we say in the name of Jesus, that's when the power is there. No. The Bible says we've been baptized into the same body by one spirit over which Jesus is the head. And the Bible says the oil moves from the head and it goes everywhere, even to the skirt of Aaron. So we are already baptized into that name. So the reason why these people did not need to say in the name of Jesus is because everything they ever did was in the name of Jesus. So they would just say, rise up and walk. A lot of times we're casting out demons. We don't say, in the name of Jesus, come out. Sometimes we just say, out. Why? I don't have to. Because I'm like that white bow, which is metallic and has been put into the red ink. So all you are seeing when I come to you is just the red ink. The Bible says the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it. That means the name of the Lord was a place in the Old Testament that they could go in. But that doesn't change it. The name of the Lord is still a place in the New Testament, but we don't run to it. Here we stay in it. The Bible says, if any man is in Christ, it's a place we are brought into. 
It's a baptism we are brought in. This is why sometimes I don't, I don't like the prayer which says, Father, we come into your presence. Where were you before? One of the things you can do is say, Father, we acknowledge your presence this morning. We thank you that we are always walking with you because you said you never leave us nor forsake us. You said you will give us the Holy Spirit who will never leave us even up to the end of it. You acknowledge it. And the Bible says that your participation in the faith may become effectual by the acknowledgement of every good thing in you in Christ Jesus. So you need to acknowledge. You need to acknowledge. You know, the secret is in a consciousness. You, there's, there's power released. There's some power which is not released in prayer and fasting. There's a, 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 a power which is only released through consciousness. Because the Bible says, Gideon, go in this your might. The angel did not say, I'm bringing a new dimension from heaven. No, he says, Gideon, go in this your might. That means that might was already there, except the man was not conscious of it. The power was already there, but he was not conscious of it. But as the Bible he says, I pray that the eyes of your understanding may be flooded with light that you may understand the hope of your calling, meaning there's a hope of the calling to which you've been called. The Bible says Christ in you, the hope of glory. There's a glory we've been called into, but we need to be conscious to walk in it. You know, a lot of religious people use the name of Jesus as if it was a charm. So they always feel like they have to say in the name of Jesus or to say, the Bible says, let me tell you something. Sit down. There's a sermon I did not preach, and you were saying, I need to go back to preach. What's that sermon? No, no, no. I said, oh, it's faith. Uh huh. But there are some who didn't, so how did they have their faith? I'll tell you something. You see, you people are ready for a little bit of meat, right? One of the disadvantages and one of the problems one of the problems many Christians have is that they think the Bible is the only word of God. And yet the Bible seems to disagree with that. I can prove it to you. Second Corinthians. I hear someone saying, red ear. <laughs> Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1. Are you there? Do we begin again to commend ourselves or do, or do we need as some others? Do we need epistles, which means letters? Okay? Like the letters Paul wrote to the Corinthians, they are called the epistle of Paul, right? Commendation to you or letters of commendation from you. Let's go. 
you are our epistle, meaning you are our letter, written in our hearts, known and read by all men, known and read. You are an epistle, known and read by all men. Clearly, look at that. You are not an epistle of Paul. No, meaning God is, with every life, God is writing a new scripture, a new book. You are a book, not written by human beings, no. Who? Epistle of? There are some epistles written by Paul. This one, the Bible says, written by who? That means they are men whose lives you can read. And when you watch those lives, you can say, I will do what Sister W did. And when you do it, that thing which she did had scriptural effect. Why? Because the Bible says, written not with ink, but by the spirit of the living God. Meaning your life is a letter being written by the Holy... Now, the Bible says scriptures don't have a private interpretation. The Bible says, but the scriptures were written by holy men who were moved on by the Holy Spirit. So they were moved by the Holy Spirit and they would write the scriptures. That is not a different Holy Spirit who's writing you. The same Holy Spirit who was on Isaiah to write... It's the same Holy Spirit who's upon you to write your life. <laughs> you see why you need to be careful with your life? Because your life carries epistolic power. Because the same Spirit which was on Peter to write the book of Peter is the same Spirit which is on you to write your life so that your generation can have a walking Bible to read. What book are you if we are to write you? I, you see, I will tell you something. A lot of times people don't understand. When we try to tell people that the Bible has faults, they fight us. <laughs> Sit down. I asked if you are ready for me to accept it. Now you are looking sad. They don't even want to think about the Bible having thoughts. Yet, yet, Solomon married 1,000. Okay, let's forget the Bible. Let's just talk about the people who are in the Bible. <laughs> One guy had 300 girlfriends. And yet you believe in him so much because he would say, okay, let me write the book of Proverbs. Let me write the book of Proverbs. And you quote the book of Proverbs. You cite it. You preach the thing. But the man who was writing it <laughs> was marrying anyhow. But you believe his words. <laughs> Paul said, you knew Paul, he would say, I have, I have this thing in the flesh, <laughs> but he would preach to you. And <laughs> he said, 
I have this thing, a man of God will come to church and say, there's this thing, there's a thorn in my flesh, I have this problem. And you say, ah, there's an evil that's always within me. When I want to do good, I don't find myself doing it. Yet he wrote it and you believed it. But me, if you just heard that something happened, hey, but you are caught in poor. <laughs> you... You are citing him and you are on fire. You see, the problem is people love people who they don't know. They can easily believe a man they don't know. You know why you love Superman? It's because he's from, he's from Krypton, right? He's from Krypton. That's why you love him. If it was your next door neighbor, you would say, ah, guys. That's why they would see Jesus walking on water and they would laugh and say, it's just because he can't swim. <laughs> That's, they say, why did he heal on a Sabbath? What? This man has not walked for years. At least be surprised that he got healed. Say, no, you can't heal on a Sabbath. What? Their issue was not that he was healed. They have never seen a healing in their lives. Never. They didn't heal that man. The fact that they saw it on... The issue was not the healing. No, the issue was it was Jesus who performed it. Because they saw him growing. They saw his weaknesses, his, I mean, his father's weaknesses, his fault. He came from, no, they saw the school he used to go to. So they say, who does he think he is now? They can't buy it. He says, a prophet is not without honor, except in his own. So the reason we look at you and, you see, sit down. People, people, they love foreign people. They love foreign people and dead men. Say, there was a general. He was, and sometimes exaggerate the things. That, but when you hear, some, you hear the things that are being taught in this day. We will only be recognized 100 years later after the Lord has taken us. He was a general. But when there was a general among you, you couldn't recognize him, so you didn't benefit from him. Even you, you are a walking scripture written by the Holy Spirit. The reason I'm telling you this is to know, I don't know what you have done or what you are going through or that your life has been perfected, but that does not stop the fact that God is right. Rahab was a prostitute, but the Bible lists her as an important person in the whole faith, and you read Rahab by faith, and you are encouraged. But your sister somewhere got pregnant and repented and came back, and you have never stopped looking down on her. No matter how she preaches, you just remember pregnancy, pregnancy, pregnancy. It's all about the pregnancy. You have even changed her name. She's she Sister Nancy now. It's, you can't. But see, when we write that Bible, 100 years, people will read it and they will be blessed. But you can't be blessed. Because you love dead men. It's, it's, a, it's a morbid faith. It's a morbid faith. It loves dead men. There was a great man. He has gone home to be with the Lord. 
Ah, that man could pray. But when he was around, you just said, Ah, but we be standable. You, I'm just telling you this to encourage you and let you know that the Spirit of God is writing scriptures using your life. Even your law parts, God is going to use them and show other people how to live better so that they do not make the mistakes you made. God will perfect even your errors that they may be lessons to others, but he will take you out of them. Shout, yes! You are baptized into Christ. You walk in that environment of Christ. That's why the Bible says in Mark 16, 17, the following signs shall follow they that believe. And then he says, in my name. And everything now follows in his name. That's the common factor. In my name, open brackets, they shall cast out devils. They shall lay hands on the sick. He didn't say they will, lay, they will pray for the sick. No, he says they shall lay hands on the sick. That means you go to a sick person and you say, how are you? How's been your day? You are into Christ. So when you touch, Christ is touching. When you walk, Christ is walking. When you kabashata, hey, Christ is kabashatering. Somebody shout, yes. yes. Because you are baptized into Christ. Somebody give me Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. We are going to read it together. Read it for me, read it for me. So you see, you see, a snake doesn't have to announce itself. Doesn't have to scream. No, 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 no. That's what I meant in the first place. It's just there. You are just there as one baptized into Christ. You've not said anything, but because you are there, Christ is there. One, two, three, go. Stop. <laughs> hey! Glory. So, because you are so immersed, you can't even find your own life now. You reach a point where uh -uh, you have no name to defend. You have no name to build, but one name. You can't discover your own desires because you are a dead man. Read that. One, two, three, go. One, two, three, go. I. Christ is about to do a presentation. 
When you are going to sleep, Christ is going to sleep. When you are going to do business, <laughs> Christ is about to do it. No, it's not you. It's not you. It's not you. When you are about to go write a test, when you are about to write an exam,
Christ cannot be disadvantaged. Is Azilemente. I know who I am. I know who I am. Come on, this is our Nathanom is to produce people who are better than you. That anointing is to produce people that are better, that are stronger, that are more word-filled, that are more financially sound. That there is an anointing to produce better revelators, better businessmen, better teachers of the word. Huh? Ah, <laughs> I don't know if you believe it, but there's an anointing which has come to make you a better singer than me, to make you a better Christian. There's a grace to make you a better student so that what I did Compared to what you would do, what I did will be child's play. Now, whether you believe that or not is your business. But there's an anointing which has come. And this anointing is there. <laughs> there are people that will come out of this place. You are going to wonder. <laughs> Hallelujah. I mean, look at that already. Look at that. It's a confirmation. It's a confirmation. Whether you fail under the power or not, something has come on everyone who believes. We will produce better people so that wherever I am, you double it. Whatever I make per month, you will double it. It's, it's not me. It's what God is just saying. <laughs> ah! Produce. Make. Make. The grace of the Lord Jesus. The love of the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Ekete berekedos, rebe bebe be shonte prekedos, sila baba rababa sotikele predegedes.
when you are in an atmosphere like this, insist that God must touch you. 